Chapter Seven of A Little Country Girl by Susan Coolidge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Seven Two Picnics. It was while Candace was still doing battle with her shyness, sometimes getting the better of it, and then again yielding and letting it get the better of her, that Georgie and Gertrude sent out invitations to another luncheon party of girls. It was the third they had given since coming to Newport. Mrs. Gray certainly did a great deal for the pleasure of her daughters, although Berenice Joy did consider her so strict. Candice had her share in this entertainment, as one of the three young ladies of the house. The party was mainly composed of the early dippers, who were not as formidable to her imagination as entire strangers would have been. She and Georgie and Gertrude wore their white woolen dresses, which were almost exactly alike and looked like triplets as marian rather spitefully observed marian herself was not asked to the party and was out of humour in consequence her crossness did not extend to candace however she evinced this by coming in just as candace had finished dressing with a long-stemmed pink rose in her hand which she pinned on the shoulder of the white gown just under candace's cheek that looks sweet remarked marian i am really quite pleased at your appearance you're every bit as pretty as gertrude and heaps better looking than that old georgie who wouldn't let me come to her party now take my advice hold your head up and don't let any of the girls bully you if berry joy tries it sit down hard on her i don't know how to sit down hard laughed candace but she kissed marian for the sweet rose and went downstairs feeling quite brave Marian watched her over the balusters, made a face at Berry Joy, who was just sailing into the drawing-room, shook her dimpled fist at Georgie's back, visible through the open door, and then went to sit with her mother, who was also not invited. There is no prettier entertainment than a lunch-party of girls. The flowers, the confections, all the graceful little fripperies of the feast seem to suit with the bright young faces to whom daylight is a becoming and not a dangerous test frederick had taken pains in ornamenting the table for his young ladies there was a nosegay for each guest and no two nosegays were alike one was made up of roses and daisies another of roses and heliotrope another of roses and violets and each was tied with a satin ribbon of corresponding color which had the name of the girl for whom it was intended and the date painted in gold letters on the ends in the middle of the table stood a large square pan of glass in which floated a mass of water lilies pink and white and winding in and out among the little dishes of crystallized fruit eclairs apricots and hothouse grapes was a continuous curving wreath of pansies of every color it appeared to lie directly on the white tablecloth but the stems of the flowers were really set in shallow semicircles of tin not over half an inch high which were filled with wet sand for the more substantial part of the meal appeared a succession of appetizing little dishes hot and perfectly served and the wind-up of the whole was of course unlimited ice cream and water ices those national delicacies dear equally to the heart of every american girl the country over whether she consumes her saucerful in uppermost maine or southernmost florida luncheon over the party went out to the piazza where coffee was served and then berry joy began to tell of a picnic at southwick's grove 
which she had attended the day before none of the other girls had as it happened been present so she had the field of narrative to herself it was perfectly splendid she said there were five coaches with four ladies and a lot of men in each and ever so many other carriages we made a sort of procession down the island i went in lawrence jones's coach with sue tucker and maud and mrs freddy you should have seen the country people rush out to look at us when all the horns blew at once i tell you it was exciting and what did you do after you got to the grove Oh, we had the most wonderful spread that ever was seen you know everybody takes a dish and a bottle of wine to these picnics and there is always a great competition as to who shall bring the best things i never saw such a luncheon in my life everything was perfectly delicious but what did you do do why we didn't do anything but that there was no time for anything else it took ever so long to get lunch ready some of the things had to be cooked after we got there you know and the coffee and the mayonnaise made the servants lit fires and fussed about and the rest of us sat round and talked a little but i was so ravenous that i couldn't think of anything but lunch and i rather think the others were in the same condition then as soon as we had done it was time to start for home what do you think that horrid mr dean said she continued after a short pause you know he's always trying to be satirical Someone was saying something about the groves being such a nice place for picnics and mr Dean interrupted in that disagreeable dry way of his Which some people call funny? Well, yes, perhaps so but in my opinion the proper place for a picnic of this kind is a gorge There was a universal giggle How did he dare? observed Julia prime. Oh, he dares to say just what he likes he doesn't mind anybody but I know one thing and that is that Gorham Allerton didn't like it a bit He looked absolutely black and I saw him talking to mrs. Jackson Tainter about it afterwards And I'll wager something handsome that old Dean will find himself left out of the next picnic I'm sure if he does it will only serve him right for being so rude. I Don't believe he'll mind if he isn't invited remarked Gertrude he dined with papa last night And I heard him say that it was the dullest affair he ever was at in his life and only fit for the companions of Ulysses What did he mean? I don't know something about general grant. I suppose Candice what are you laughing at? Oh nothing said canny composing her face as well as she could a little old translation of the Odyssey had been among the books in the North Tolland Library, and she was more up in the companions of Ulysses than the rest of the party. How different picnics nowadays are from those we used to have in Newport when I was a girl, remarked Mrs. Gray from the drawing-room window, where she had been standing unperceived for a moment or two. Oh, Mrs. Gray, are you there? And the girls hastened to the window. Some of them kissed her, and all, except perhaps very joy looked glad to see her for she was a general favorite with her daughter's friends tell us about the picnics you used to have when you were young said julia prime balancing herself on the window-sill and keeping fast hold of mrs gray's hand there is not much to tell julia they would seem tame affairs enough to you modern young people i suppose we hadn't any men with us as a general thing except an occasional brother or cousin and we didn't carry half as much to eat as seems to be considered necessary nowadays Then we all did the work ourselves instead of taking cooks and footmen to do it for us 
but for all that we thought them most delightful for one thing we always went to some really interesting place such as the glen or the dumpling rocks or the paradise valleys where are the paradise valleys inquired julia oh i know where they are said maud hallett they are lovely places hidden in behind bishop berkeley's rock i went there once with aunt edith she knows all the nooks and corners of newport better than anybody else mamma you must take us there some day said georgie oh do and let me go with you pleaded maud i should so much like to see them again won't you take me too said belle jeffreys we should all like to go remarked julia slyly oh mrs gray dear i have such a lovely idea give a picnic yourself one of the nice old-fashioned sort that you used to have when you were young in the paradise valley won't you dear mrs gray oh do you needn't coax so hard julia i am very easy to persuade when i like to do a thing said mrs gray with a laugh i'll give you a picnic with pleasure only i must make one stipulation that it shall be exclusively a girl party i don't think the young men of the present day would enjoy the kind of thing i mean or know what to make of it girls cried julia just listen to what this dear angel says she's going to take us to paradise valley all by ourselves with no men to bother and distract our attention men are out of place in paradise anyway just think how adam behaved this is in parenthesis it is to be a real old-fashioned galoptious picnic now who would like to go besides myself i i i cried the girls with gratifying unanimity now what day shall it be continued julia let's make mrs gray settle the time at once and then she can't back out i don't want to back out said mrs gray i enjoy the idea as much as you do so after some comparing of engagements the next thursday was fixed upon you had better make this the rendezvous said the giver of the picnic i shall have room for one girl in my wagonette besides my four you must all wear something stout which won't spoil with scrambling over rocks and you need not bring any luncheon baskets i will see to all that this is to be an old-fashioned picnic you know and i shall provide exactly the sort of things that we used to take when i was young and charming many years ago you are just as charming as you can be now declared bell enthusiastically i do hope there won't be a fog said julia prime as she walked up the avenue with the others i shan't care if there is replied berry i must say it sounds to me like a very stupid plan no men and nothing in particular to eat it's just like mrs gray her ideas are so queer as mamma says i wonder you go if you feel that way about it retorted julia i dare say i shan't i have a strong presentiment that on that particular day i shall have a headache and berry did a distracting headache as she wrote georgie overnight she was the only member of the early dip club who missed the picnic headaches are sad but convenient things eleven o'clock brought the girls to the greys front door all ready for their start in various village carts and victorias there was a little redistribution georgie and gertrude fitted in with some of their cronies and mrs gray took three girls besides marion and candace in her wagonette frederick and the coachman stowed many small baskets and a heap of wraps into the different rumbles and box seats and they set forth under the bluest of blue skies 
It was a beautiful day, just warm enough and not too warm, for a fragrant wind was softly blowing in from the sea. They had passed the first beach, which at that hour was black with bathers and bystanders, and had climbed the hill slope which separates it from the second beach, when Marion suddenly cried, Mamma, here we are close to purgatory. Can't we just stop a minute and show it to Candace? Mrs. Gray looked at her watch. Your minute will last at least a quarter of an hour, Marion, she said, but I think there is time enough. Would any of the rest of you like to go? Girls always want to go. There was a general disembarkation, and Mrs. Gray led the way through a gate and across a rough field, which stretched along the top of a line of cliffs, steeper and bolder than those on the Newport Point, and cut here and there into sudden sharp fissures. The scanty grass, yellow with August sun, was broken everywhere by lumps and boulders of that odd conglomerate which is known by the name of plum pudding stone. Goldenrod and the early blue aster were flowering everywhere. A flock of sheep fled at their approach, with a low rushing sound like the wind in boughs. Candace walked along with the rest, in a little shiver of expectancy. The name of purgatory seemed to her to suggest some terrible sort of place. Presently she saw the girls ahead, as she reached a particular point, diverged sharply to the right, with little cries and exclamations. And when she advanced, she found herself on the edge of a chasm deeper and darker than any of those which they had passed. It cut the cliff from its highest point to the sea level, and the wall-like sides receded toward their base, leaving vaulted hollows beneath, into which the eye could not penetrate. Only the ear caught the sound of thunderous murmurs, and strange gurgles and hisses of spray, echoing from unseen recesses far underground. And it was easy to imagine that these sounds came from some imprisoned sea creature, hemmed in by the tide, with no chance of escape, and vexing the air with its groans. Candice shrank away from the brink with a sensation of affright. "'What an awful place!' she said, drawing a long breath. "'Do you suppose anyone ever fell down there?' Every member of the party had some tradition of the sort to relate, but none of the stories seemed to rest on a very secure foundation. "'Anybody who did must be killed, I should think. "'I don't wonder they named it Purgatory,' said Marian. "'There was a fascination of horror about the spot. "'The girls lingered and leaned over the brink and turned back "'until Mrs. Gray had to call them away, "'and they were all rather silent as they walked across the field to their carriages. "'But the impression was soon dispelled, "'for as they drove down the incline toward the second beach, "'they came upon an unexpected scene of brilliant and animated life.' The tide and wind together were bringing ashore quantities of seaweed of the kind used in manuring fields, and all the farmers of the neighbourhood had assembled to secure this heaven-planted harvest. The long curves of yellow sands which stretch from the purgatory rocks to the sacluous point were alive with people. Teams of mild, mouse-coloured or white oxen stood harnessed to heavy wagons, ready to drag the seaweed home. Out of the plunging surf, men were urging horses seaward, or swimming them toward the shore, with long rake-like implements in their wake, which gathered and bore along masses of the glittering brown and rosy kelp. The splash and foam of the waves, the rearing horses, the cries of the men and of the seagulls, 
who seemed to resent this intrusion upon their haunts, made a vivid and fascinating picture, which seemed in keeping with the beauty of sea and sky, and the freshness of the sun-warmed wind. Then, passing the beach, the carriages drove along a smooth country road for a short distance, and turned into a narrow lane running uphill, which presently brought them to a small farmhouse built on the very edge of a ravine. "'Here we take to our feet,' said Mrs. Gray, jumping out of the wagonette. The farmer and his wife, who seemed to be old acquaintances, came to speak to her. The baskets were collected, and the carriages sent back to town, with orders to return to the same place at six o'clock. "'Oh, why six? Why not stay and go home by moonlight?' urged Julia. "'My dear child, if you were in the habit of reading either the almanac or the heavens, "'you would know that there will be no moon tonight till after eleven o'clock,' said her chaperone. "'These roads will be as black as pitch by half-past seven. "'Now, girls, each of you take your own shawl and one of the baskets, "'and we will descend into paradise. "'It sounds paradoxical, but you shall see.' She led the way down a steep, narrow pathway on the hillside into the valley below. The path was overhung with trees. It was necessary to put the boughs aside here and there. Brambles reached from the thicket to catch at the girls' skirts as they went by. But when they had passed these trifling obstacles, they found themselves safely on the level floor of a little valley below. Such a choice little valley! It was enclosed between the line of hill from which they had just descended, and another parallel line whose top was of solid granite and whose base was walled by trees the double barrier kept off all cold winds and let the sunshine in from east to west to flood and foster the valley growths to the east the eye saw only the winding of the leafy glade the west stood open to the sea and gave wide vista of glittering ocean and yellow surf-fringed beach the ground was carpeted with the softest grass Thickets of wild roses showed here and there a late blossom, and other thickets of alders glittered with coral-red berries. Apple-trees loaded with small crimson apples made spots of colour on the hillside. Wild flowers grew thickly in damp spots, and mosses clustered among the stones. Birds chirped and flew from every bush and tree. All was shaded and peaceful and still. Newport, with its whirl and glitter, seemed immeasurably far away. The Paradise Valley might to all appearance have been hidden in the heart of the Alleghenies, instead of being within three miles of the gayest watering-place in America. Mrs. Gray, with accustomed feet, led the way straight across the glade to where an old cedar-tree stood, commanding the ocean view with a square block of stone at its foot. This is where we used always to come, she said in a dreamy voice. What a delicious place, cried Julia. To think that I should have spent seven summers in Newport and never have seen it before. What shall we do with the baskets, Mrs. Gray, dear? Put them in the shade, and when you all feel hungry, we will open them. Hungry? Why, I am as hungry as a wolf at this moment. I have a gift for being ravenous. Girls, what do you say? Don't you agree with me that no time is like the present for lunch? Hold up your hands if you do. Very well, said Mrs. Gray, laughing, as every hand flew up. We will have lunch at once, then. But I warn you that there is a good deal to be done first. There, pointing to a blackened spot against a rock, is where we always boiled our kettle. If some of you will collect some dry sticks, 
we will see if the present generation is capable of making a fire i meanwhile will fetch the water she took a bright little copper kettle from one of the baskets and mounted the hill with elastic footsteps calling out as she went make haste and be sure that the sticks are dry i'm not sure that i know a dry stick when i see it whispered maud hallett to julia but instinct as often happens took the place of experience on this occasion and mrs gray found quite a respectable pile of fuel awaiting her when she came back with her kettle full of spring water now i will show you how to swing a pot over a fire she said and in three minutes a rustic crane of boughs was constructed the kettle was hanging from it and the wood piled artistically underneath a box of matches appeared from mrs gray's pocket which as marian said was every bit as good as the bag of the mother in the swiss family robinson and seemed to hold almost as great a variety of useful things presently a gay little fire was crackling and snapping against the face of the rock and adding its smoke to the blackened stains left by those other smokes of long ago the girl stood about watching the blaze and listening for the first hiss of the kettle but mrs gray informed them that there was still work to be done i want some new potatoes to roast for one thing she said maud and georgie you might run up to the farm and ask mr bacon to send me a few say eighteen or twenty large ones oh and a couple of dozen fresh eggs while they were absent on this errand the other girls under mrs gray's direction unpacked the baskets and arranged their contents on the rock beneath the cedar tree mrs gray had taken pains to provide as far as was possible the same sort of food which twenty odd years before it had been customary to take to picnics out of one basket came a snow-white tablecloth and napkins out of another a chafing dish a loaf of homemade brown bread and a couple of pats of delicious darlington butter a third basket revealed a large loaf of election cake with a thick sugary frosting a fourth was full of crisp little jumbles made after an old family recipe and warranted to melt in the mouth there was a pile of thin beautifully cut sandwiches plenty of light buttered rolls and a cold fowl ready carved into portions by the time that these provisions were unpacked maud and georgie were seen descending the hill at a rapid walk which at sight of the festive preparations below changed to what julia prime called a hungry gallop by this time exercise and fresh air had made everybody so desperately hungry that it seemed impossible to wait another moment so while mrs gray heated the coffee and dropped the large pink potatoes into their bed of embers to roast the younger members of the party fell to work on the sandwiches just to take off the fine edge of their appetites till something better was ready when the coffee was hot mrs gray seated herself by the rock lit the lamp under her chafing dish dropped in a bit of butter sprinkled with pepper and salt and proceeded to scramble a great dish of eggs did any of you ever eat hot scrambled eggs under a tree when you were furiously hungry if not you can form no idea of the pleasure which the early dippers took in theirs but it was not the eggs only it was everything never was a luncheon so delicious the girls protested new potatoes roasted in the ashes were a feast for the gods and as for the grandmother's cake with which the repast wound up it baffled analysis and description mrs gray had made this cake with her own hands in order to carry out the historic verities as she said 
it used to be part of the religion of new england especially of connecticut she explained and she told them how once when she was a girl making a visit to an old aunt in weathersfield she had sat up nearly all night over a raising of election cake but why did you do that asked the girls well you see my aunt had a sudden attack of rheumatism in her arm she was going to have her sewing society meet at her house and such a thing as a sewing society without election cake was not to be dreamed of so i offered to make it and i was bound that it should be good the peculiarity of this particular cake is that it must rise twice before it is baked you mix half the butter and sugar and so on with the yeast and when that is light you put in the other half now my first half refused to rise what did you do oh i sat beside it with one of scott's novels and i waited it was rather pokey for my aunt and her servant had gone to bed and there were queer creaks and noises now and then as there always are in old houses midnight struck and one and two before the first bubbles appeared on the surface of the cake and i had fallen asleep over my book more than once before i could be quite sure that it was safe to stir in the remainder of the spice and fruit and go to bed it was just four o'clock when i finally put out my lamp and very sleepy i was next day as you may imagine but the cake turned out a great success and i had many compliments about it from the crack housekeepers in the neighborhood when they found that it was of my making wasn't it a dreadful trouble to have to make cake and things like that at home asked maud hallett i think i would rather have it not quite so good and got from the confectioners than to have all that fuss and bother my dear there were no confectioners in those days except in two or three of the largest cities and none even then who would be thought worth speaking of in our time it was a case of homemade cake or none and though it was certainly a great deal of trouble the cake was better than any confectioner's cake that i ever tasted people took great pride in it and recipes were copied and handed about and talked over with an interest which would be impossible nowadays when everything comes to hand ready-made and you can order a loaf of sponge cake by postal card and have it appear in a few hours sent by express from central new york as some of us have been doing this summer the last crumb of the grandmother's loaf had now disappeared and mrs gray proposed that the girls should go for a scramble on the hills while she repacked the baskets but this division of labor was not permitted the girls insisted that they must be allowed to stay and help and that the scramble would be no fun at all without their matron julia seized the coffee pot and chafing dish and ran up the hill to rinse them in the spring the others collected forks and plates and many hands making light work in a very short while all was in order and mrs gray in readiness to head the walking party she guided them to the top of the granite ridge which is visible from newport and made them observe the peculiarity of the rock lines and the contrast between the bareness and the fertility of the little intervening glades for which they serve as a natural conservatory then they dipped down into the thickets of the farther side finding all manner of ferns and wild flowers and shy growing things and so to the sandy flats above the third beach with their outlook across the river-like strait to little compton and up the curving shore of newport island set with old farmhouses and solemn orchards of gnarled apple trees from thence a short walk brought them to the end of the ridge and to bishop berkeley's seat 
with its ponderous projecting roof of rocks and they all sat down to rest just where he is said to have sat with his books and pen looking off toward far bermuda and dreaming of the star of empire at that time no ugly brick chimneys or artificial water basin existed to mar the foreground and nothing sweeter or more peaceful could be imagined than the view from the rocky shelf the breadth of ocean lit with clear sun the shining capes to right and left the yellow sand dunes and winding creek bordered with brown grasses and patches of mallow or green rushes and over all the arch of blue summer sky one or two carriages rolled along the distant road as they sat there but otherwise the stillness was unbroken save by the twitter of birds in the woods behind them the chirp of the sand peeps or the scream of gulls on the beach and the soft intermittent boom of the surf it had been a perfect afternoon and a great success all the picnickers voted as they parted in the dusk on the gravel walk in front of mrs gray's door yet after all there was much to be said for newport and civilization and they were not sorry to come back to them it was all very well to play at being old-fashioned for a day but modern times have their distinct charms and conveniences and if the girls on sober second thought preferred their own share of the centuries to any other no one need count them blameworthy End of chapter 7